Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say just off the top of my head that the last innovation in the financial world that really, by most agreement, had a bigger upside than a downside was the uh, automated teller machine. You know, some people might have lost their card or tripped up somehow in getting the cash out. But generally speaking, it worked, and um, and it was an innovation. You didn't have to wait for a teller inside the bank. You didn't have to go inside the bank. So, of course, they're going to get rid of those now because they still have to maintain a machine outside, you know, and that takes time and money. And before that, I think... Um, the most successful financial innovation was the personal check. That was a way long time ago. I bring that up because in this still young century, we've lived through now two phases of financial innovation. In the first decade of the century, we had securitized mortgages. That's what um, took the housing market to the woodshed, allowing banks that wrote mortgages to not have to hold them and collect the payments from the homeowners. They could wrap those mortgages together in a package, sell them as a security, walk away, and let what happened happen. And now, in this uh, second and third decades of the century, the financial innovation of note about to reap its wreath of destruction, crypto. So the first part of this show today will be just a little roundup of the latest bad news about crypto, starting with me reading the trades for you. This from Advertising Age. FTC's crypto marketing probe could spell trouble for ad agencies. You know me. I'm going to read it for you. The U.S. Federal Trade Commission has opened a probe into several unnamed crypto firms over potentially deceptive advertising. The inquiry could now implicate the ad industry and add it to the growing list of parties that may have exploited consumer trust in the crypto space, a major factor that enabled the collapse of FTX last month. We are investigating several firms for possible misconduct concerning digital assets, said an FTC spokesman. With its sites trained on advertising practices, the probe may spell particular trouble for ad agencies, 
which have been the primary partners helping crypto firms navigate the world of marketing through sponsorships, billboards, TV spots, and digital activations. Those ties run deep. Dentsu Creative had long worked with FTX before its implosion. Accenture Song worked with Coinbase to develop its award-winning Super Bowl spot. Despite Coinbase's CEO withholding credit. Both Whedon and Kennedy and Pereira Odell have teamed with Crypto.com on previous campaigns. And just last month, 72 and Sunny, that's an ad agency, collaborated with Binance on a global marketing push. None of these agencies immediately responded to ad agencies' requests for comment. Lartiz Tiffith, I said Lartiz Tiffith, Executive VP of Public Policy at the Interactive Advertising Bureau, doesn't think agencies should be held accountable if their partners are independently misbehaving, as long as the malpractice is covert. Quote, they're not in the operations of the business, they're at an arm's length when it comes to the client they're working for, said Tiffith. But there is some precedent for ad agencies being held accountable for brands' marketing practices. In 2017, the FTC filed charges against now-defunct marketing company Synergix, with two X's, after it created radio and ads, radio ads for dietary supplements. The ads were deemed deceptive for not disclosing the complexity of relevant tasks, as well as featuring spokespeople who actually had no expertise in the subject. Even though most crypto firms are not currently being accused of fraud, whew, that's a relief, it may behoove their agency partners to come clean about the roles they played, said Timur Yarnell, co-founder and CEO of MarTech company Neutronium. Doing so could indicate good faith to the FTC as it investigates while also taking a stab at the heart of the issue. Enhancing Consumer Trust. Quote, Agencies that want to stay in the crypto game are going to realize they need to treat partners as financial products and obviously deal with all the liability they can, said Yarnall. Government crackdowns on the ad industry's relationship with crypto, crypto has been building for some time. At the end of last year, the Advertising Standards Authority, a UK watchdog group, banned several crypto ads for, quote, irresponsibly taking advantage of consumers' inexperience and for failing to illustrate the risk of the investment, unquote. The ban affected ads from Coinbase and fellow exchange eToro, as well as those from other crypto companies. Pizza chain Papa John's was even roped into the censure over an ad it posted for a Bitcoin promotion which reportedly trivialized the serious nature of cryptocurrency investing. In the U.S., the Securities and Exchange Commission has typically been the agency to exert force over crypto advertising. The body in June released a campaign aimed at warning investors about celebrities shilling for cryptocurrencies, a practice that reached a fever pitch during this year's Super Bowl. The SEC's 
biggest crackdown on celebrity crypto marketing came a few months later when it fined Kim Kardashian $1.26 million for promoting a token without disclosing her compensation. The case mirrored fines that the SEC handed out in 2018 to boxer Floyd Mayweather and music producer DJ Khaled, both of whom were said to have improperly shilled for crypto. Just how far the SEC is willing to go to protect investors remains unclear. Critics have blamed the agency and its chair, Gary Gensler, for spending too much energy on cases involving big names, but small blast radii, such as Kim on the Super Bowl, as opposed to problems including FTX's alleged fraud, which could directly impact up to one million investors. As governments sharpen their focus on regulating the crypto industry, advertising may be stuck in the crosshairs. A class action lawsuit recently filed in the aftermath of FTX demonstrates this. Not only was CEO Sam Bankster fraud, uh, Bankman Freud freed, blamed for misleading investors, but so too were celebrity marketing ambassadors, including Tom Brady, Giselle Bunchen, and Steph Curry. Well, they needed the money. Part of the scheme employed by the FTX entities involved utilizing some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment, the complaint said. Moreover, none of these defendants performed any due diligence prior to marketing these FTX products to the public. That's what we know when I read the trades for you. But there's more news about crypto this week. FTX collapse highlighted many flaws in the crypto industry, according to Cointelegraph.com. Now the effects of the FTX debacle have broken into the non-fungible token space, with users unable to view their NFTs. As you probably know, till you're sick of it by now, NFTs are... Things that you can buy but not own. There's the innovation right there. In a tweet, Solana engineer Jack XB.Sol pointed out how the metadata of FTX hosted NFTs now points to a restructuring website that gives out information about bankruptcy proceedings. According to that engineer, the NFTs minted on FTX were hosted using a Web2 application interface, application programming interface, and your, your, your API, resulting in images not showing. You see, we're in Web3 now, ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't notice. After the FTX, that's the innovation. After the FTX exchange filed for bankruptcy, the FTX.us domain was entirely redirected to the bankruptcy page. Because of this, 
NFT owners are still able to see that their NFTs exist somewhere out there. However, images cannot be seen anymore, even when viewing them within wallets or listing them on NFT trading platforms. The engineer called out to collections that are still hosting metadata on Amazon Web Services, suggesting there's a lesson to be learned with how FTX hosted their NFTs using a Web2 API service. Some users even commented this highlights problems with Web3 companies, like, you know, FTX, relying on centralized services like Amazon or the Google Cloud Platform. Way back in August, NFT executives brought up the topic of NFTs not living on the blockchain. Too much jargon? Stop me. In the Cointelegraph interview, Jonathan Victor at Protocol Labs and, the, uh, co and another guy, Alex Salnikov, the co-founder of Rarible, <laughs> explained that technically the tokens are stored somewhere else. The duo highlighted that main chains blockchains often are very limited in size and that it costs more to store data on the blockchain. Now this whole innovation starting with Satoshi so-called we don't know who he is back in 2008 introducing the concept of the blockchain as being the most reliable way to keep track of transactions it being universal and not requiring trust. Oh! Despite the troubles brought about by the FTX collapse, the NFT industry remains confident in the future of the space. Last November, various players within the NFT space spoke with Cointelegraph.com, expressed their confidence that the space will eventually recover. It will reopen as a uh, Best Western Hotel. No, the executives highlighted that it's important for the NFT community to focus on bringing more utility to their collections, like having them, having them be visible would be one. You bought this, you don't own it, and now you can't see it. That is progress. And it uh, has spread down under. Pardon me. Tens of thousands of Australian investors with savings tied up in cryptocurrency as well as pensions remain in suspense because a major Australian broker collapsed into voluntary bankruptcy. Digital Surge froze the trading accounts of its 30,000 clients last month, according to uh, the Australian ABC. This means people with money in the broker cannot access their funds. Well, if you can't see your NFTs, what do you need your funds for? Now, a month later, the uh, cryptocurrency broker, based in Brisbane, has, uh, as I say, entered voluntary administration. That's uh, something a company does when it is either at risk of insolvency or is already insolvent. Digital Surge's administrators confirmed the company had about 30,000 clients have been offering them trading in more than 300 cryptocurrencies. The woes being experienced by di digital surge are, guess what, tied to the collapse of FTX. That company, once promoted by stars like T 
Tom Brady and Larry David declared bankruptcy in early November after revelations about its business practices led to a run on funds by customers. Now, let's just review. I, well, I knew. I don't know Larry David now. But um, he co-created Seinfeld, and he created Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's getting current recurring income from both of those interests. But he needed to promote FTX, you know, just for a little side stash. In Australia, people who had funds in FTX are at a loss about what their next steps are. ABC News Australia says some individuals are facing losses uh, losses upwards of 338,000 American dollars. Meanwhile, values of the so-called coins at the center of cryptocurrency markets are continuing to crash. Digital Search hasn't yet revealed how much of its clients' cash is caught up in the FTX sewer. Now that the company is in administration, both uh, its managers and the tens of thousands of creditors have to decide if they should try to keep it going or wind up the company and divvy up whatever assets are left over. The uh, chief executive of the company said if creditors decided to save it, directors would make a payment in excess of one million Australian dollars. And he wrote that profits from digital search will be applied to consumer balances for the next five years. Purpose of this is to provide an opportunity for you, our users, to be made whole over time. You know, like five years. Many investors are asking for answers about how their savings in the Australian exchange appear to have been traded into FTX. See how this stuff can spread? Just like uh, COVID. But you get over COVID. The uh, main securities regulator in Australia has nothing to do with uh, crypto. It says it's very concerned that Australians who invested in crypto may not have fully understood the risks and may have lost money in this year's collapse. ASIC is the name of the regulator, has repeatedly warned investors that crypto is incredibly risky, inherently volatile, and complex, unquote. The Australian government's looking at tighter laws now to regulate that form of trading. But the whole idea was not to have regulation so we could steal more money. So that's the real world, ladies and gentlemen. And now we begin a a look back at the last 12 months. Regular December feature of the show. 2022, the year in rebuke. Direct from the trading floor of Corium Slogum Oliver, this is Mind Your Own Business. I'm Mike Tuccinello on the virtual trading floor. The real one's in storage. In the conventional markets, stocks and bonds, volatility is good for business. When asset prices go up and down, people buy and sell, riding alternative waves of greed and fear. But with last year's influx of so-called retail investors, 
who get into the markets via Reddit or other Internet sources, volatility can be bad. One big dive in prices can discourage them from any further involvement. After all, one good definition of a retail investor is one who thinks markets only go in one direction, up. Newer kinds of investments may have similar problems, or not. The person behind one such asset class is joining Sylvia Mealargent today at the Money Honey Desk. Thanks, Mike. This week, cryptocurrencies had their own big price drops, but at least one believer wasn't worried because his new cryptocurrency isn't for sale yet. Griff Lauder is the man behind Musk Coin. Griff, you're still, I guess you could say, bullish on yourself. I'd say bullseye to that, Sylvia. <laughs> Those of us at SureThings.com, all eight of us, think the sky's the limit for Musk coin. Anyone who doesn't is violating our code of confidence. By the way, we're the first in the industry to have such a code. I'm very proud of that. Well, there are reports that expressing anything less than full confidence in the prospects of Musk coin is a firing offense at SureThings.com. Well, there are reports that the moon landing was fake, too. Maybe next question. Some critics on and off Reddit have said that people could be misled by the name of your cryptocurrency. Or you mean be simply because the richest man in the world is not directly a part of our project? That's the suggestion. Uh -huh. And that's like saying the Tesla car is misleading because the great inventor Nikola Tesla has nothing to do with it. I, I don't think anybody would be quicker to pick up on that point than the richest man in the world. Or his lawyers. Okay. Well, why is Musk coin different, or maybe even better, than other cryptocurrencies? Well, all of our other competitors, our Bitcoin, Ethereum, have nothing to base the value of their currencies on, which is why their prices fluctuate so wildly. Musk coin takes inspiration from our namesake by basing its value on something large and valuable and not prone to scurry sweeps up and down. And what is that? Mars. Our big innovation is a piece of software that has assessed the value of the elements in the Martian soil down to the maximum mineable level. You know how much lithium there is in just one Martian sea? Well, but until there's human activity on Mars, that lithium isn't available to us, is it? Exactly. That's the built-in upward driver of the Musk coin. The closer we get to getting closer the more Mars is worth. Unless we somehow blow up the planet, the price of a Musk coin can never go down. Well, speaking of the richest man in the world, mm -hmm. has he gotten in contact with SureThings.com personally? Yeah, that's part of the exciting part. He sent us a text saying he was honored and was going to start accepting Musk coin in payment for his cars. Well, that's... And the then he sent another text saying he couldn't accept it in payment, but he was even more honored. Well... That must be a big boost. Then he sent a registered letter that he wasn't honored at all. So clearly we're on his radar. Although I'm sure he's thinking up something way cooler than radar. So, Griff, when does Muskcoin make its debut on crypto exchanges? Uh, certainly it doesn't need any regulatory approval. No. As uh, soon as our application for a Swiss bank account clears, we're ready to drop our first digital ad featuring five recently retired pro golfers. Well, I wouldn't think those endorsers would necessarily be relevant to the most likely crypto adopters, young people. Ah, but think about it, Sylvia. What says no volatility better than golf? Griff Lauder. Good luck with Musk coin. From the Money Honey Desk, I'm Sylvia Mealargent. 
not to mind your own business for today. From the virtual trading floor, I'm Mike Tuchinello saying, as always, this week, mind the business of someone you love. So long. As um, I think everybody knows by now, this was our third year in the COVID barrel. And um, it was a time when COVID is over was a dominant feature of people's thoughts starting in the summer, continuing through now, maybe, maybe not. Don't you dare brandish that mask around me, mister. But um, one guy proved on international television he was not taking COVID precautions lightly. Gee, honey, that's a lot of tableware. How many people are coming over for dinner? Oh, everybody from my office. Wow. I don't think we've got a big enough table. You know what? I don't either. Hi, I'm Jim Putin. How many times have you had that problem? And I'm Jackie Putin. And at a time like this, putting an extra leaf in your dining room table is way too much hassle. That's because in today's COVID alert world, a dining room table just isn't enough table. But now you know it is enough? The super patented Putin table. It's long enough to seat the entire office crew. Plus the elevator and parking gang. Yet its graceful lines say long can be beautiful. And and its sleek shape says long can fit into your dining or function room with only the most minimal reconstruction. The Putin table is strong. The three-leg platform base can support tableware for 40. And no one feels crowded or away from the action. No children's table needed. They can sit way at the far end of the Putin table and still feel like they're part of the grown-up fun. Before the super-patented Putin table, you'd have to hire your own carpenter to build a table this sturdy. But now, during the Special operation sale, the Putin table can be yours for far less than a made-to-order compromise. We hate those. Just call the number on your screen. Or write to the web address on your screen. Or just yell at your screen to order your own Putin table. You know we're listening. Honey, this Putin table is great. Yeah, everybody's got room for two. <laughs> <laughs> the Putin table is not nationally regulated furniture. Sit at your own risk. I am a lonesome hombre. I spend my time driving my truck around town on Saturdays. I moved here from the city. I thought that maybe all of my luck would change here in Boomtown. But it seems my face is wrong I don't fit in Cause I don't have cowboy Cowboy lips Cowboy Cowboy lips When I'm with all my buddies My snakeskin boots and my belt buckle shine But they don't talk to me Even when I know their song I'm in the wrong key Cause I don't have cowboy Cowboy lips Cowboy
right. Gimme cowboy lips. Cowboy lips are all right. Gimme cowboy lips. Cowboy lips are all right. Gimme cowboy lips. Cowboy lips are all right. Gimme cowboy lips. From New Orleans, this is Le Show. We'll get back to um, looking back in rancor after this apology of the week. Dateline Tulsa, Oklahoma. A Tulsa man is calling for airlines to better accommodate customers that need special assistance. This after his wheelchair that he uses every day was sent on another flight to the other side of the country. Mistake left him waiting at the airport for hours before he could go home. Emeka Nanaka said when his flight landed in Tulsa, airport staff informed him that his wheelchair was not on board. I'm kind of met with a couple of different people, and one of the guys is like, Hey, hey, I've got bad news, said Nanaka. He tells me they lost my chair. His wheelchair was put in the hands of American Airlines staff to store under the plane after he was strapped in. Naka said it was frantic tracking down where his wheelchair was. American Airlines informed him the chair was sent on a different flight to Charlotte. Instead of heading home, he was forced to wait until it arrived in Tulsa hours later. He said he he had to sit in three different chairs at the airport, each becoming unbearable because of his large frame. Quote, my legs would spasm. I'm having to call for help, and they have to call someone big enough to pick me up. Quote. American Airlines sent this uh, message to a local Tulsa TV station. We strive to deliver a positive travel experience for all of our customers and recognize how important it is to support the independence of customers with disabilities as they travel. We sincerely apologize to Mr. Nanaka for the delay in receiving his assistive device, a member of our team has reached out to the customer to apologize and learn more about his experience, unquote. (laughs) You really think there's more to know? 
The airline also said it has offered $400 in trip credits. Meanwhile, Nanaka said he's offered to help American Airlines moving forward about how to prevent something like this from happening again. Put a little radio thing on the wheelchair, the kind that's letting guys stalk women again. Just a thought. The Apology of the Week, ladies and gentlemen. And now, looking back a little bit, I think it was March or April. Kind of the same, aren't they? When CNN decided to join the streaming hordes and uh, start what, on first thought, would seem like a contradiction in terms, a streaming news channel. CNN Plus. I mean, news is live, and that's not streaming. But no, they had a whole other thing going on there, including having lured Chris Wallace over from Fox News to uh, do a show of his own. 2022, the year in rebuke. Now, who's talking to Chris Wallace? And here, talking to who is Chris Wallace? And hello again from CNN Plus Plus Double Minus Plus. Today I'm talking to the best-known South Carolina senator since John C. Calhoun. He's Lindsey Graham. Senator Graham, welcome to Who's Talking to Me? Well, thanks, Chris. It's... uh... A great honor to be the first guest who's talking to you. Well, Senator, let's start with something you said a couple of weeks ago. You said, and I'm paraphrasing you here because we don't have a full research department up and running yet. You said you hoped somebody would come along and assassinate President Putin. Mm-hmm. Did you mean that literally? <laughs> well, I'm I'm trying to think of a way... That I didn't mean it literally. You mean like assassinate his character? He's done a pretty good job of that himself. Yeah, I, I, I think he could say I was literally saying it literally. Okay, we've nailed that down. Let's turn to this week. When you, well, Chris, I've I've spent the last four or five days talking about. Well, but I want to drill a little deeper about. I've made it clear. I had the greatest respect for Judge Jackson. But you wouldn't let her finish her answer. And I'm not letting you finish your question. It's nothing personal. It's just my way of continuing to speak. All right. Your line of questioning of Judge Jackson focused on her sentences in child abuse cases. Why were you so focused on those particular cases? Chris, don't you think child abuse cases are particularly horrible? Well, of course, Senator, but there are lots of horrible crimes that aren't child abuse cases, aren't there? I mean, for no, example... No I, no, I understand where you're going with this both-sides-ism, Chris, except this list of other horrible crimes is lots of other sides-ism, in my opinion. Maybe you, like Judge Jackson, don't see something especially disturbing in crimes against vulnerable, innocent, sweet, beautiful, young human beings... But, but I do. Well, of course I do, Senator. Well, but I know you do, Chris. That was just a figure of freedom of speech. I happen to believe in that. I don't know about Judge Jackson, but uh, 
I happen to be an American. Well, Senator Graham, were you suggesting by your questions that Judge Jackson wasn't an American? I was just waiting for you to finish your question, Chris. I had finished. Okay, good. Usually they're longer. See, when I ask a question, Chris, I'm only doing one thing and one thing only. Serving the people of South Carolina by making full use of the time their senator has been allotted for the asking of questions. All right, but if I may, Senator... Oh, Chris, of course you may. It's your show, at least for a while. Well, I appreciate your confidence, Senator, but... You didn't ask the judge questions about her sentencing practice in any other kinds of cases. That does suggest... What it suggests to me is the abuse of trusting and defenseless young people is particularly evil and threatening to the future of our communities. I feel for those young people. Well, but you voted on three other Supreme Court candidates who also gave out... Sentences that were less than maximum to... These, these are downy-cheeked little boys and girls. If a big old United States senator has a soft spot for them, or a hard spot, I think it's a good thing. Maybe you or the judge disagree. I'm, I'm just trying to ask you a question, Senator. That's exactly what I was trying to do, Chris. We're on the same side here. All right. Well, that's probably as good a place as any to wrap up this conversation. Senator, I think other people who come here to chat with me have at least two big shoes to fill. Thanks, Chris. I just wish that they or you could uh, come with me one time to visit some of these youngsters. But, uh, of course, that's strictly prohibited. Understood. Next week, someone else will talk to me. Until then, I'm Chris Wallace saying goodbye plus from Washington.
Speaking, as we were at the beginning of today's program, about innovation, here's one, the um, the crypto bros haven't come up with yet. 2022, the year in rebuke. When I saw the crypto values go down, I got so worried. There went all our life savings. Then my broker said, don't worry. We had bought crypto to pay for our daughter's wedding. She called us in tears, and my husband told her, Don't worry. Our crypto account was going towards my retirement. That's why I was so relieved to hear, Don't worry. Hey, I'm Kevin, and if you've invested from ten dollars to $10,000 or more in crypto, I've got the best news since the invention of crypto itself. As long as you made the right investment choice, you've missed out on something big this past week. All those crashing values of almost all cryptocurrencies. Why did I say almost all? Because that right investment choice was and is ZiptoCoin. You might be asking yourself, Kevin, what's so different about ZiptoCoin? And that's where I come in. You see, other digital currencies have values that fluctuate from day to day. Sometimes the fluctuations are pretty wild. And if you're not watching every minute, that can be painful. But not ZiptoCoin. It's rock solid. Its value was set at zero on day one. That's what we call the zero one advantage. And it can never change. When and if you want to convert back to old fashioned dollars, your ZiptoCoin account is available to you 24 7 plus. All my other crypto owning friends are kind of panicking right now. But as a ZiptoCoin holder, I always know right where I stand. Right about now, they're envying me. Our ZiptoCoin rep told us on day one, we could rest easy. Our account would never suddenly drop 10, 20, even 50% in a week or a day. Maybe you like roller coasters, but not for your money, your retirement fund, your investment fund, your rainy day fund. You don't have to check your ZiptoCoin account every hour or every day. Not even every year. It's always where it started on day one. That's the zero-one advantage. As an accountant, I know that planning is a key part of financial planning. When the value of a crypto account is locked in from day one, that makes planning so much easier and cheaper. As I tell all my clients, excitement is great for your entertainment. 
but not for your money. Hi, it's Kevin again. If right about now you're thinking, hey, Kevin, this Zipto coin sounds like it's too good to be true, don't worry. It isn't. You know, there's no bad time to open a Zipto coin account, but right now when other crypto values are plunging is the perfect time to join the Zipto coin army, the growing number of folks who enjoy the peace of mind of knowing their crypto account, their Zipto coin account, is right where they left it. You know, outer space might be a nice place to visit, but fear your money, there's no place like rock bottom. The 800 number on your screen is a great way to start enjoying the two greatest words in financial English. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Zipto coin, the digital currency that buys you. And one more item from the smart, smart world that we're all inhabiting. We're sure not inhibiting it. More than 70,000 websites belonging to Fortune 500 brands, government agencies, and universities share consumers' data with Twitter using data tracking code hosted on these other organizations' websites. That's according to research published by Adalytics. Get it? Twitter, like most other digital advertising platforms, offers free snippets of JavaScript code that, along with a single pixel embedded in pages, tracks users so advertisers can send targeted ads. These trackers have included, well, they've landed other tech giants, including Meta, Google, and TikTok, in trouble for breaching consumer privacy rules by collecting sensitive personal data. In its report, Adalytics analyzed web data from hundreds of thousands of websites to see which one or ones utilized Twitter's tracking code as of November. It found that despite public statements about suspending ads after Elon Musk took over as chief twit, his self-description, at least 70,772 websites were still using Twitter's advertising code and tracking pixel on their pages. In addition to sharing info on their visitors, including cookie IDs, IP addresses, and browsing data with Twitter, analytics a data organization that essentially tracks web trackers, also observed some websites sharing hashed emails and phone numbers with the platform. There's a tool that organizations can enable to restrict what Twitter can do with this data. It requires the advertiser to send a parameter to Twitter, specifying the organization wants Twitter to limit its use of data collected for an individual conversion event, nothing religious, looking at an ad, and then buying the product is conversion. When enabled, Twitter will limit the use of personal data received in connection with the restricted conversion event to certain business purposes on behalf of the advertiser, such as measurement. However, the vast majority of these entities haven't enabled that tool. Virtually all the websites examined in this study that had the Twitter pixel were not using the restricted data usage feature. This reporting from the British tech journal The Register, which notes that at least two of Musk's other companies, SpaceX and Tesla, don't host any Twitter tracking code on their websites. Apple, apple Apple.com, various other Apple-owned properties like Shazam.com and BeatsByDre.com didn't load any code from Twitter. 
But major corporations aren't the only ones sharing customer data with Twitter. University websites, Purdue and the University of California, and nonprofit groups like Alzheimer's Association and Doctors Without Borders all share data with Twitter. So do healthcare websites and major news publishers, including the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Websites belonging to U.S. government agencies, including Health and Human Services and Education, as well as the Australian Government of Foreign Affairs, were seen sending data to Twitter. Spokesman for the Department of Education declined to say if the DOE planned to change its data tracking policies. It was the only organization that responded to the register's requests for comment. So maybe it'll just change that. Analytics also said it documented other government websites, including the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, embedding Twitter code on their pages without enabling security features or content security policy headers. If Twitter itself were ever to suffer a breach, a foreign threat actor could leverage their control over Twitter's code to deface or hack these sensitive government websites. While the authors say it's unclear what Twitter could legally do with this treasure trove of information it has collected about consumers, there does not appear to be any legislation, laws, or legal mechanisms in the U.S. that would allow organizational entities to direct Twitter to delete large amounts of such data. Surprisingly, perhaps, Twitter did not respond to the register's submitted questions. It's a smart, 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 smart world. This year marked a um, a raft of newsworthy divorces, but none more significant, perhaps, than the slow-motion divorce between former President Trump and media mogul Rupert Murdoch. Keeping up with the Murdochs. So, Lockie, I, uh, I get the writings, trends for the hearings, but uh, how did the internal demographics look? Okay, that's all the bags. Bye-bye. Was, uh, was that her? Yep. She has uh, sucked her last pint of blood. So, the demos. Um, I'd have to check on those. You, uh, you haven't been going this granular for a while. <laughs> yeah, I was distracted. Fortunately, the distraction had a prenup. <laughs> so, uh, get back to me on that stuff. Oh, sounds like you've got another call. All right, Junior. Don't let the place burn down. Hello? Rupert, it's Donald. I kept trying the other number, but uh, some woman kept answering. She sounded like she was... Uh, and angry? Yeah, this is uh, my new number. I was uh, going to share it with you when... I got it from the girl. So listen, Rupert, what the hell is going on aside from the divorce, which I had to read about in the New York Times? What's with that? Your own paper couldn't get the scoop? That's sad. Uh, we were trying to uh, keep it uh, a bit hush-hush, so uh, the Times seemed the appropriate place to uh, leak it. Huh. Frankly, Donald, the uh, time had come in my life where... I wanted to spend less time with my family. Gotcha. C c cute twist. So, look, you need some names? 
Names. You know, some hot chicks to uh, restir the pot. I got a freaking database full of them. Oh, I'm good. Uh, so, if there's uh, nothing else on your mind, What the I... hell is going on here? I remember a time not so long ago when you begged me to stay on the phone with you, when we'd spend much of the day just discussing the president. If I'm not mistaken, Don, that's when you were president. Right. So, that's what I called to talk about, Rupert. I'm, uh... I'm hearing from friends, your friends, my friends, all kinds of friends. Mm -hmm. That you're turning your attention from Donald Trump to Ron DeSantis. What the freaking frack is that all about? The guy is a dime store pal with all the charisma of a wet dish rag. Don, it's uh, weird. I'm older than you, but it appears I'm more interested in the future of the party and the country, as well as the network. What? You were the perfect man for the job which was taking Hillary Clinton out once and for all. And now that the job description has changed... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, please. Tell me about the future, please. All I do here, aside from playing absolute killer golf every day of the friggin' week, is think about the future, plan for the future, think about the people who screwed me over who are going to get theirs back in the future. But I will tell you this, mm -hmm. I don't view the future as some time when I sell out to Disney and just wait around for Mickey Mouse's gay buddies to stand up for America. <sighs> Donald, don't get me wrong. I was a great admirer of yours, the way you commanded a crowd, the way you uh, set a national agenda, the way you crushed your opponents. Was? So, like, that's all still happening, but you don't admire it anymore? But, you know, I should know better. Yours was the network that made that Arizona call that started all this. That crazy guy doesn't call Arizona early. All our plans still have a chance to work, right? Donald... The guy was Chris Steyerwald. Right. We fired him. Right. What more did you expect us to do? Asphyxiate him in the third floor men's room and then dump his body out the window onto 6th Avenue? Now you ask. I've got news for you, my friend. The windows facing 6th Avenue don't open. Okay. Look, I know a guy who can fix those windows and... Nah. Never mind. Obviously, you've got pressure from the few sponsors you've got left who think Ron DeSanta Claus is the sexy new thing. And by sexy, I mean, I don't know what I mean. I guess the company that makes the uh, hard-on pills, they know, right? They're all over your channel, those pills. What's with your viewers, Rupert? Donald, I've got much less important things to focus on right now. I got that database. Thanks all the same. I'm just going to go down to Nobu and hang out. Cheers. Next time, will there be a divorce trial? Will it be televised? Will it be on Lachlan's channel? Next time on Keeping Up with the Murdochs.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. Back next week with more Ear and Rebuke and other things. And it'd be just like running a crypto scam yourself, if you agree to be with me then. Would you already? Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk, and to Pam Halstead, and to Thomas Walsh at WWNO, right here in New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address, yes, this show has one. Your chance to get Cars I, t- Cars I Talk t-shirts. I don't even remember how to say it. And uh, your playlist, copy of the playlist of the music heard here on you, as well as so many other things to see, read, hear, and ponder. All at harryshearer.com. And yes, it's another week when I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from the Crescent City.